People call Dr. Gabo Mate the people whisperer. Legendary thinker and best-selling author. He's highly sought after for his expertise on addiction, stress, and childhood development. How does a culture meet the needs of human beings? And how does it promote healthy or unhealthy development that we have to judge any society? Now we have the, uh, this is how we measure success, is how much wealth. In a materialistic society, we measure success by the possession or the control or the production of matter, of materials. That's what it means to be materialistic. It is materials that matter. But is that really the true measure of a human society? Well, it's one measure. But is it a true measure of the success of a society? Can a society be called successful because it produces more matter or controls more matter or owns more matter than, than some other society? So what is the nature of human nature? Well, again, in this system, it is believed and often taught that human nature is essentially selfish, individualistic, aggressive, and competitive. That's human nature. And so when somebody behaves that way, you say, oh, well, what can you do? That's human nature. But I believe that to speak of that is to make a rather elementary mistake, which is to take this society as the standard of what human beings are supposed to be. It's true that we're taught to behave that way. As a matter of fact, not, not only are we taught to behave that way, the most successful people in the society do behave that way. That's how they become successful, very often. As we all know, even to the point of threatening our very existence, uh, the, the, the selfishness and the aggression and the desire to own and produce more and to control more is, 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 is jeopardizing our, our, our very being. So, yeah, if that's human nature, then what can you do? That's just human nature. But what if that is not human nature? What if that is a distortion of human nature? What if, in fact, our nature demands something else entirely? And not to look at human nature, we need to look at how human beings evolved through eons, millions and hundreds of thousands and tens of thousands of years. And then we have to look at what are the needs of the human child? What needs does a human child actually have? And what needs does a human being actually have? And rather than trying to determine the nature of human nature from how human, behave, human people be, behave in certain situations, let's look at it from the point of view of their needs. And then I think what we'll find is it's not so much that there's human nature that predicts certain behaviors, because there's so many different human behaviors. I mean, you can have a Hitler who tried to kill me when I was less than a year old, or you can have a Jesus, or you can have a Martin Luther King. These are all human beings. So what then is human nature? How have we understood that it's not so much that there's a human nature that predicts behavior, but what there actually is, is a human nature that means that we have certain needs. 
And if those needs are met, we're going to behave in predictable ways. And if those needs are not met, we're also going to behave in predictable ways. So it's not a behavior that defines our nature, but our needs that define our nature. And the behaviors reflect the degree to which those needs are met, or they are not met. And what if we look at it from that point of view? Well, what do we find from that point of view? And, 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 and how would looking at human nature from that angle lead us to understand physical, what we call physical or mental pathology? And I say what we call because diagnosis and pathology and so on is just a certain way of looking at something. It doesn't necessarily reflect reality. Or it might describe a certain reality, but it doesn't necessarily explain reality. And we have to make a distinction between descriptions and explanations. So what is human nature? Well, I mean, what is the needs of a, what is the need of any human child? And it doesn't matter what human child, whether you're looking at humans living close to the North Pole or the South Pole, in the East or the West in Europe, or in Africa, or Asia, or North America, or wherever, what are the needs of a human child? Well, the essential need of the human child is for attachment. Now, attachment is a biological drive for connection with another human being. And it's an essential drive because without it, we can't survive. The human being is the, the human child is the most immature, most dependent, and... Um, most vulnerable creature in the universe. So without somebody looking after her or him, he just, she, they just don't survive. So that attachment drive, you can say that's part of our human nature. In other words, we're born for love. In other words, for attachment is love. Not only the love of the child or the attachment of the child to the parent, but the attachment of the parent to the child. So attachment is this drive that pulls two human beings together for the purpose of being taken care of or for the purpose of taking care of. And of course, attachment also pulls human beings together for reasons throughout the lifespan. So human beings did not live the way we lived uh, through most of human existence. We lived in small band hunter-gatherer groupings. 60 to 80 to 100 human beings living together. And that meant that children were always around their parents. Always around their parents. There was no separation. Not just around their parents, but around the whole group of adults, all of whom acted as, um, as parental figures in a child's life. So a child grew up ensconced in a network of very safe attachments. Safe in the sense that everybody cared for the child. Number one. Number two, when you look study hunter-gatherer groups, they always carry their kids everywhere. The North American natives had the papoose where they carried the kids everywhere. Uh, in Nigeria, I think, or Kenya, there was a newspaper article about 10 years ago I read rather amusing. Somebody, I think in Nairobi, Kenya, opened a pram store, like a, a baby buggy store. And it wasn't, very, it wasn't doing very well. And the uh, reporter asked the shop owner, well, how come you're not doing better business in this big modern city? He said, well, our people just don't understand why they put the kids into a machine and push them. They carry them everywhere. Now, it's not infrequent these days to see a parent pushing a buggy 
and playing with the cell phone at the same time? Do we think that the kid in the buggy whose parents is on a cell phone is getting the same kind of uh, information about the world as the baby who's being carried on the parent's chest or back or belly? And the reason I'm talking about them is because that's human nature. That's how we evolved. That was our nature. So the first thing is that there's small groups living together and kids had many adult attachments, many adults looking after them, protecting them, uh, mentoring them. Number one, number two, um, the kids were carried everywhere. Number three, they didn't let their kids cry. Now, when I say didn't let them cry, I don't mean that they, 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 they forbade crying. You can't forbid a bit of two months old from crying. But they wouldn't, if they cried, they, they were immediately cuddled. Now, here in North America, we actually tell parents, we teach parents not to pick up the kids when they're crying. That's called sleep training. We're actually telling parents, don't pick up your kids when they're crying at night because we want them to sleep through the night. And if you pick them up, they'll learn that they can just wake you up in the middle of the night and, you know. And then you can't go to work in the morning. I'll say something more about that later. So that's the third thing. They, don't, they just let their kids cry. The fourth thing is, generally, generally, hunter-gatherer groupings don't hit their kids. And if they do... It's only in an acute situation when the kid is about to crawl into an anthill and you pick him up and you quickly slap him on the bottom, teaching him not to do that. But there's not a question of uh, spanking as punishment. It's very interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll read you a... There was a novel published in Canada. It's a recorded fact that the Europeans were appalled at the parenting practices of the natives because the natives didn't hit their kids. And to the Europeans, this meant spraying the rod, spoiling the child. Children and dogs run around without care, rolling in the dirt with one another. If there's one thing I will never go accustomed to, it's the savages' inability to chastise their children. In all my years, I've never even seen an adult raise a hand in anger toward a child. Indeed, this should be one of the first behaviors you must try to modify. So the Europeans were really um, aghast at the fact that the, these, these people didn't hit their kids. So multiple adult attachments, being, being with the adults all the time physically, not being hit, and not being allowed to cry. Now, why does a kid cry? We're still talking about human nature here and what happens to it. Why does a kid cry? Well, kids got no other way to ask for help but to cry. So crying is a sign of distress. And what can the distress be over? We're distressed when our needs aren't being met. So if we're hungry, a baby will cry. If they're uncomfortable because their diaper is dirty and wet, they're going to cry. If they need attachment contact, they will cry. When the needs are met, the child is soothed and eased and their nervous system relaxes. When the needs are denied, the child gets more riled up. When the child is riled up, you get stress hormones going through uh, the whole body to the brain. Stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline, particularly cortisol. Cortisol 
interferes with healthy brain development. When we don't pick up our kids, we're interfering with their brain development. You didn't have to tell Aboriginal people this, but in our modern society, you have to teach this, and people say, oh my God, really? That's not what my doctor told me. They told me, and I, as a doctor, I used to tell people the same kind of nonsense. Don't pick them up. Let them cry through the night. Thank you for watching. You can get my book, The Myth of Normal, in hardcover, audio, or ebook by clicking the link below in the description. And thanks again.